to The Golf in Mind, the podcast which looks at the game of golf in general and the mental game of golf uh, more specifically. I often say the mental game of golf is the area where we can probably see the greatest single improvement uh, in our play uh, and yet we paid no attention. And given that the uh, professional players would say at a minimum uh, the golfing excellence uh, is 80% mental. It sort of makes me scratch my head off and say, why do we spend no time exploring it? And I think I've said many times it's boring. You know, I shouldn't be saying that. I should be selling it saying, it's really exciting. You need to do this and you'll have the best time of your life. Trust me. But no, I, I agree. It's like learning Latin verbs. You know, you don't see what the point of it is. Uh, and then you take an exam and you pass the exam and you think, well, I'll never need that again. But it actually serves you well because as you go through life, you come across words with Latin roots. Uh, and I think using Latin verbs is possibly, well, I know it's the worst example I've ever given of an analogy, but I hope you uh, you understand a lot of things we do that are boring to do uh, serve us much later uh, than they will ever do immediately. So telling ourselves that we need to uh, focus and knuckle down is all good uh, in theory, but it, if we have nothing to draw on, you know, it's a bit like saying, I need to be able to lift a 200 pound weight in the gym. Well, that's fine, but if I haven't spent uh, a year and a half building up to it, it's it's not going to happen. So telling yourself on the golf course, you need to, to calm down unless you have spent time uh, learning how to calm your mind down, uh, how to avoid uh, panic or uh, tension growing, then all the words in the world uh, will have very little effect. Self-spoken words, if your caddy or a third party can speak to you, that often sort of helps a little. Uh, and I know for a lot of the uh, tournament professionals, they will say that the, their caddy was a huge help to them. Uh, coming down the stretch, they kept them calm, they kept them in the moment. And the caddy is a very familiar fixture to the player. So it kind of makes sense to me that um, a good caddy can have an impact on the uh, emotional state of a player by sort of almost taking um, the responsibility of instruction to a space or a place where the, you can focus on it as it being authentic because it's not coming from yourself because when you do it for yourself, you often just don't believe it. It's words you use. So I was thinking today uh, in the podcast that when we play golf and we're coming down the stretch, um, it doesn't always work out. You know, sometimes you're one up with three to go and you have this horrible feeling you're going to mess it up and you do. Or you come to the final green with a chance to win a club tournament for the first time in your life and you three putt from eight feet to to not to lose it. Um, so how do we how do we manage that? How do we manage what I call serious disappointment, or to be more precise, the agony? Look, no one likes to lose, and throughout our lives, we're conditioned that winning is everything. You know, number one, who's number one? Did you win? No one remembers who came second in the hundred meters at the um, Olympics, apart from the fellow and the family and trainer of the person who came second. You know, to accept failure doesn't mean you like it. So uh, it doesn't mean you're validating it. 
but what it is, I feel, is an opportunity to acknowledge it and learn from it, but not identify with it. And that's, for me, the critical point. Uh, when we three-putt the last green to lose, when we lose three holes in a row, having been three up with five to play, um, it hurts, it stings. But we'd be much better if we were to spend the time to analyze, well, why did that happen? And what can I do to prevent it happening? Now, what you will say to yourself, well, it happened because you choked, you panicked, you got stressed, you got ahead of yourself, you tried to get, you got in your own way. All these expressions you hear people say time and time again. But I, I, I just don't see it that way. And I think the reason I don't see it that way, because the people I work with, one of the things I say to them, and I'm very clear, is that <clears throat> failure, I mean, it's like Jack Nicholas famously said, and I think it's a very, very true quotation. He said, people don't seem to realize how often you have to come in second in order to finish first. I've never met a winner who hadn't learned how to be a loser. Now, if that's the wisdom that Jack Nicholas can impart to us following his career, I think we should we should listen. I've never met anyone who has a 100% winning record. Never have, never have. I know people who tell me they never lose or they're always, you know, they're very competitive, but I think they just choose to completely disregard or ignore their failures. I, on the other hand, don't relive failures, but I do my best to learn from them. And generally, if I have three putters from eight feet, it's because it'll be a confidence issue or I'll be trying far too hard. And there are certain players I know who just cannot, for the life of them, ever um, accept losing. You know, there's always an excuse. I know a fellow who, if he had a bad drive, would generally say, often to one of the other partners, you moved during my backswing. I mean, so we all had to make sure we stood out of his eye line. I mean, because we had to remove any potential excuses from him. You know, on the golf course, if we carry the agony of a bad shot with us, it'll bug us and dominate our thinking when we're faced with a similar situation in the future. So if we can simply forgive the feeling of anger and forget the incident, then we will be able to move on and give ourselves every opportunity to play our best. This is much easier when we become mindful on the course, which means we keep our attention in the present looking neither forward nor backwards. Now, I talk a great deal about presence in the silent mind golf world or my teaching philosophy. And I say to be mindful in the golf course and to stay in the moment takes conscious practice. Over time, it becomes automatic. So when some unfortunate shot occurs, we can experience it in the moment and then quite simply let it go. Not discuss it for the next five minutes or hark back to it in the locker room when we are adding up our score. It's history. Forget it. Recent advances in positive psychology demonstrate conclusively that we perform better when we are happy and in a positive state of mind. You know, the research also shows that the brain is 31% more productive when positive than when negative, neutral or stressed. They say that happy salespeople bring in on average 37% more revenue than those who are not. 
And happy positions are 19% better at making a correct diagnosis than those who are negative or stressed. So make sure you have a happy doctor and a happy lawyer and a happy accountant. And if you don't, either try and cheer them up or find one. If, if we can make happiness a consequence of how we perceive our world and its events, rather than a product of our experiences and events, we have a powerful tool to employ to our advantage. In the words of the popular song, don't worry, be happy. When we adopt a positive, happy outlook, the things that previously caused us upset and distress are much, much more, or much, much less likely to affect us. A great place to start is to write down in a performance journal two things that went well and made you feel good about yourself after every round of golf or practice session. And I, I don't know if you journal, I suspect you probably don't, but I, I always ask my clients, tell me two good things you were pleased about in your round of golf. And sometimes they'll, be, they'll say nothing. I say, well, we don't start the lesson to tell me two things that went well that you were pleased about. And you can't say walking off the course. And eventually someone will say, well, I read a putt really well, I didn't make it. Or um, I, hit a, I hit a draw to order, which I wasn't expecting. So focus on the positive. So if you think, if you want to, think about getting a little journal or a little notebook you keep in your golf bag. And after each round, you write down two positives. You know, stayed calm, didn't three putt, didn't lose a ball, whatever, two positives. And before you start your next round, go through the past rounds. And even when you practice. And when we do that, we'll get into the habit of focusing on the positives in our game and uh, indeed in our life. And this will, in fact, just become a habit we'll do automatically. Um, I have a, I was in America visiting a friend and I saw a chiropractor in uh, Salisbury, North Carolina, who did an adjustment on my neck and my back. And then for reasons that will be only known to this fellow, he decided to hyperextend my elbow. I did the right arm first, which is my strong arm, and he did my left arm, which is my less strong arm, and something popped. And within half an hour, I was in a sling, and um, I got back to the UK. I've had been to various doctors, and it turns out ruptured a capsule in my um, arm, elbow, at the back of the elbow joint. So I have been off golf for uh, two months now, and it looks like it'll be another two to three months before I'm able to play again. So um, I'm going to use that time to uh, do more visualization exercises and uh, remind myself not to go to chiropractors in Salisbury, North Carolina. Uh, or certainly if I do go again, and I'm not very happy with the the procedure that's about to be done to just question why it's been done or actually decline it. And I was talking to a colleague of mine about this and he said, oh, in in Britain, when people are over 60 years of age, they, they, they do very, very few adjustments um, on them. So I think maybe I was sort of of an age that shouldn't be getting adjustments done, but who knows? Um, as I always do at the end of a podcast, I recommend um, going to the website, seagagolf.com, if you're interested in signing up in an online program. Um, and I would love you to do one of the courses. They've run 13 weeks. They are quite intensive. So uh, winter's a great time to do it. So maybe sign up now for the winter. And what it is is a, a lesson with a, a 
PDF download and some exercises to do that week that then help you in the following week. And uh, a number of people have written to me and their golf has been transformed and people have got down to single figures from double figures. And people have done uh, one club championship they never expected to do. So uh, it does make a really big difference. And I would encourage you to do it if you want to get a lot better. And if you don't want to get a lot better, well, as long as you enjoy golf, that's the main thing. Uh, and that's it for this week. Until we meet again, uh, play good golf and have a wonderful, wonderful week. All the best.